Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Rap. Hey everybody and welcome back to The Sex Rep. You're here today with Spring and Andrew, your favorite sex personalities on the internet answering questions that you've submitted about sex, about relationships, about romance, about breakups, about pretty much anything. And we love to answer your questions. Keep sending them in. Check out our social media because we're really active. We answer questions there as well. How are you doing today, Spring? I'm doing so great. I love our relationship, Andrew, I was just thinking about this as we were starting off the episode because, you know, we take turns starting the episode, which is like, you know, a very fair and balanced way to do things, which I love about us. And we're also great at communication. And I think it's pretty hilarious that like we are doing all of this like eye contact to communicate. Like we're like, wait, is it my week? It's your, oh yeah, it's your week. Okay. You're going to start. You got this. You got it. You're on. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, So thank you for being um, amazing at communication and an amazing friend and amazing co-host. That's, that's, that's where I am right now. That's how I'm feeling. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. You too. I mean, for those of you who are listening, you know, Spring and I are in different locations and we have all of this technology between us, but really it's, uh, we have our faces plastered real big on each other's screens and we just look at each other like we're talking, um, like we're talking with all of you. Um, And Spring, did you know we missed something pretty important uh, last week? Oh, I do know. I know what we missed because I was so sad that we missed it. So uh, last week was our 200th episode. Uh, so 200 questions about sex have been answered. Um, and, and there are literally thousands more that uh, we need to get to over time. You know, when we started this thing, you know, I thought it was going to be like, you know, 30, 40 episodes answer all of the big questions about sex. And we're still in process. There's so many more questions coming in. Um, and I think it's because, you know, sex and sexuality is every part of every day of all of our lives. And there's always more questions coming in. And the world around us is constantly changing. So we kind of have to figure out where we stand and how to protect ourselves and others and how to ensure that there's happiness Um and the non sequitur here of happiness is uh, we want to let you all know that we're going to be taking August off this month. There'll be reruns going, um, but Spring and I haven't had a, a real break from work or podcasting or anything um, in a long time. So uh, in August, we're going to be off doing our own things. I know, Spring, you have some crazy stuff planned. Like, Oh, wh- yeah. I'm going to Europe in August. Um, I'm so excited. I'm going to travel around, see some friends. I'm also going to go to uh, my partner that died in December. I'm going to go to his memorial service, um, which will be over his birthday weekend. And I'm, yeah, I'm 
sad to go to that, but also excited to be around other people that knew him and loved him. So yeah, it'll be a big, big trip. European vacation, some closure, some camaraderie. That sounds awesome. Um, I'm, I'm, go- I'm, I'm really, really just hoping I don't get COVID right before this trip. I'm going to do everything to make sure that COVID did not, because I've had my spring break trip was ruined by COVID. Um, I have not been on a big trip like this in a long time. And um, all of my friends have just been getting it and been canceling all of their summer vacations. So I, I really have all my fingers and toes crossed. <laughs> I mean, get get boost. When were you last boosted? I I just got boosted two and a half weeks ago. Yeah. So that should put for, you at like for maximum <laughs> yes, protection. Yes. 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 <laughs> Intentionally, I'm, yes. <laughs> I, I'm putting off my next booster until uh, early November because I had a January Disney friends trip for just friends going to Disney to hang out. And the first four days were great. And then Angela, I know you listen. Uh, <laughs> She had COVID and then other people had COVID. And like, of course, you're at Disney World. There's lots of sick people around. But we did the right thing. We stopped going. We, you know, stayed in the hotel. We, nobody flew. Like, we were really, really secure. But yeah, this this COVID thing is really mucking up a lot of plans. Um, I'm actually... So for August, while spring is uh, gallivanting around Europe, um, I'm going to be going to a horse farm um, in rural Pennsylvania that has low slash no internet and low slash no cell phone service. I'm going to bring some books. I'm going to bring some uh, drinks and I'm just going to relax and disconnect for a couple weeks. Uh, and the people who own that uh, currently have COVID. Uh, so like the COVID scare is happening early enough there that I'll still be able to hopefully go if everything <laughs> clears up. But it is close. Like I think every single listener probably knows multiple people in their circles or maybe like a slightly extended circle um, who has COVID right now. Because this beta five thing, it's essentially measles. Like it is everywhere or Omicron B5. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 It takes a lot of planning and a lot of math to figure out <laughs> how to protect yourself. Right. <laughs> I've still never had it. I've still never tested positive, um, but I've definitely been super exposed, um, you know, in the same hotel room with people who tested positive in the same bed with somebody who tested positive. Um so fortunately, my vaccines have done exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, and I'm really grateful for that level of protection. If you are not yet vaccinated, you know, we've talked about this now for over two years. You should go get one because the reason why that we can have these casual conversations and people get it in our lives and they're not going to the hospital and dying is because they've been vaccinated. So now it's, a, it's still terrible. Like the people I know who have COVID are, are having a bad time with it. Like, you know, totally knocked out for a whole week feeling really sick but that's a lot better than what was happening two years ago where people were feeling knocked out and then being hospitalized so get your vaccines yeah all right all right enough (laughs) preachiness no more but we won't be here for august we'll be out and around doing our own sort of things uh but we'll be back strong in september um so keep submitting your questions and and we'll get to them Eventually, yeah. But today's question, um, Spring and I have been meaning to answer for a while. We talked about it a little bit last week, uh, but we've had a whole deluge of questions come in about Roe versus Wade. And what does Roe versus Wade actually mean when it's being overturned? Um, 
And this is an important question, and Spring and I are going to answer this, you know, evidence-based science. We're going to, like, give you all the facts that we can. Um, but a lot of people don't even know exactly what Roe versus Wade is. Or was, I guess. Past tense now. <laughs> um yeah, so it was a lawsuit that was brought up, uh, went to the Supreme Court of the United States. And at the end of this lawsuit, essentially what the Supreme Court said is that, you know, women have a right to privacy and they have a right to privacy with medical procedures with their bodies, um, which guaranteed them access to uh, abortion as a form of health care across the entire United States. And with Roe. And- yeah, go ahead, Spring. And this was really big. This w- happened in 1973. And that was the first time that we had a case like that brought to the Supreme Court. And so this was landmark. This was so important, like as when this was decided in 1973, to um, really offer protection to people with uteruses in the United States. And really what happened when it passed, there weren't more abortions being performed, right? All Roe versus Wade really did was guarantee women the right to a safe abortion with a medical provider instead of a coat hanger or too much alcohol or all of the other things that women were trying to do to get rid of an unwanted pregnancy. Um, So with Roe versus Wade being overturned, what it means is individual states now get to decide what abortion rights and abortion access look like. Um, And we're going to post some links in the show notes so you can look up what's happening in your states and in the states around you. But it looks like about half of all women in the United States are going to have their access to abortion either partially or completely removed because of Roe versus Wade being overturned. Um, So I think it's like it's it's almost 60 percent of women live in a state where access is going to either be restricted or removed. Um, but today, like we're going to be talking more about what abortion means um, and, and why it is important. Um, so Spring, why is abortion access so important? Abortion access is so important because if you are not going to need an abortion in your life, someone you love is going to need one because abortion access is healthcare. And we're going to talk a lot about this today. We're going to say that phrase over and over. We're going to talk about why abortion access is healthcare. And if you don't have a uterus, sure, you might not need one, but I guarantee you that you know a lot of people that have the potential to become pregnant. And pregnancy has its own inherent risk carried with it. And we know that everyone is not able to take those risks physically. They're not able to take those risks or emotionally or energetically or financially or in any number of ways. And so we'll talk about why abortion is healthcare and why it's so important that we all understand the importance of it and work to allow safe abortions for everybody that needs one. So I really like that we're the, the frame that we're looking at this from is abortion is healthcare. And I'm just going to give some examples. Um, so people hear words like ectopic pregnancy, um, and it's whenever an egg implants inside the fallopian tube. If you're not familiar with internal female reproductive anatomy, that's fine. The only place uh, that a egg is viable where it implants is inside the uterus. Um, if an egg implants inside a fallopian tube, the woman dies, the fetus dies, everyone dies, right? 
So there are procedures that are abortion-based procedures that remove the ectopic pregnancy and preserve the life of the woman so she can try to have another pregnancy at another time. Um, There's misinformation out there that will try to sell you a fake story that an ectopic pregnancy can be removed from the fallopian tube and re-implanted into... None of those stories are true. It does not happen. Um, Literally one case ever in all of recorded history where an ectopic pregnancy works out. Um, so ectopic pregnancies are a case where abortion is healthcare because the health of the woman is in at risk is jeopardized. Um, and abortion is the pro- the health procedure that's performed to protect the health of the woman. There's a lot of other, uh, and that's one out of 50 pregnancies is ectopic. So it is incredibly common where we see this happen. Um, and if an abortion is not performed, like I said, the woman will die. And it's just that simple. And it's not just women. It's non-binary people and trans men can have ectopic pregnancies as well. It's just one of the many examples. There's also septic uterus where there's an infection inside of the uterus or sometimes the fetus dies during gestation and it needs to be removed because it can cause an infection. If an abortion isn't performed, a woman will die, right? If there's a, a rotting clump of cells inside of your body that's not removed, it, can, it will kill you. Um, and there's also fetuses that are just not viable. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, Spring, but I was a genetic counselor for uh, a summer. Um, A genetic counselor is somebody who meets with people who are pregnant and you get to see the results of their various scans and you get to have a conversation. Um, About 99% of those conversations I had with people that summer were were pretty positive overall saying like, hey, congratulations, you have, do you want to know the sex? Um, And you talk about what's going on. But occasionally when you get the scans back, you can see that there's something really wrong. Like the, the, the developing fetus doesn't have a brainstem or it's missing all of its internal organs or it's just not developing in a way that's viable for life. And in that situation, once again, abortion is the procedure you you use to remove the non-viable fetus. I could go on for the rest of our show, but we do need to take a break. Um, But when we get back, we're going to keep talking about abortion as healthcare. Um, So right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We're talking about abortion as healthcare today. What does Roe versus Wade mean uh, when it's being overturned? Um, and I was just giving some examples of times where abortion is the necessary medical procedure to preserve the life of the woman. Um, if it is not performed in any of them, the woman will die. Uh, so healthcare is important and access to healthcare is important to keep women alive. So that's what we mean when we say abortion is healthcare. It is the treatment that is required when some of these conditions that Andrew has been talking about arise. And that is the only treatment that will save the mother's life, the woman that would be a mother, right? She's not a mother yet. Um, so when we're talking about abortion as healthcare, we are saying Abortion is the treatment. That is the treatment. There is not another treatment. There is not another way around that. That it, that is the treatment. So that is what we are saying when we say abortion is healthcare. And we're going to start seeing lots of news stories pop up of women in states where they've completely removed abortion access who are dying from pretty simple procedures. Abortion is not a complicated procedure. It's a very simple procedure. It's a pretty easy procedure overall. Um, But removing access to that procedure is going to end up with a lot of mostly young women dying, especially young women uh, who are poor, uh, young women who don't have access to travel, young women who don't have access to uh, 
resources, money. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other issues that we can talk about with removal of access as healthcare uh, because abortion bans, right? Because really Roe versus Wade is going to cause abortion bans to happen in a whole bunch of states impact people who are already marginalized. Um, abortion bans never prevent a rich woman from getting an abortion, right? Hop on a plane, drive your own car, go to a different country um, and get an abortion. And that and that's exactly what we already see happening. Um, but what they m- will do is they're much more likely to coerce poorer people um, and in the United States, uh, access to uh, economic opportunity is linked to race. So often we'll see uh, young women of color more negatively impacted by this and being coerced into carrying pregnancies or coerced into dying um, if they don't have access to abortion as healthcare. Uh, and another, and we, real, oh, sorry, go ahead. And we know that these same people are already struggling to access healthcare in so many ways. So this is something that is just doubling down on the impact, right? So many of these people that Andrew is talking about, if they're marginalized in any way in the United States, they likely might not even have healthcare already. They might not have access to something that can treat them in numerous ways. And so now we are increasing this impact. We are making it harder for them. We are making their lives harder. We are making their experiences infinitely more difficult. That's that's what's happening with abortion bans. And, and we know that abortion bans actually don't decrease the total number of abortions. They simply don't work. Um, like there's tons of evidence around the country, there's tons around the globe that when you ban abortions, all you do is you end up banning safe abortions. Abortions still continue at the same rate and women continue and trans men and non-binary people continue to get abortions, right? They just get them in unsafe ways. Um, you've probably heard the memes or you've seen the memes on social media about coat hanger stocks going up and people using coat hangers. But that's because legitimately what people do is they take a sharp object and they try inserting it through the cervix to cause a miscarriage or an abortion. But in those situations, pe- women uh, or anybody with a uterus is much more likely to die from infections and from bleeding because instead of it being a safe procedure, healthcare between someone with a uterus and a healthcare provider, it's removed and you suddenly have women trying to end pregnancies many different, uh, many different unsafe ways. Um, and another issue with Roe versus Wade being overturned, right? We're talking about abortion as healthcare is that that interjects a third party into healthcare, right? Most of the time, if you're sick, you have a conversation with a doctor or with a nurse or with whatever healthcare provider you're dealing with. It, with them, and then they talk with you, and then you get the healthcare you need. Roe versus Wade puts someone else between, right? Like, so instead of healthcare being a conversation between you and a healthcare provider, it's a conversation between you, a politician, and a healthcare provider. And unfortunately, what the healthcare provider says is important, and what you think is important doesn't matter anymore. All of that decision then falls on politics instead of between you and a doctor. So healthcare is really a political statement whenever Roe versus Wade is overturned instead of it being actual care provided for a woman by a provider. 
And I just wanted to talk a little bit about like the safety of abortions and the way that most abortions are conducted now is through pills and they have very high safety profiles. And so, you know, there's some of these things like we're talking about the unsafe ways that people then resort to. um, But there are still safe ways that people can resort to. They're just not legal now, right? But like there still are access to pills that people can find and they can still find some safe ways to have abortions. They might just become very difficult. And if you don't have the connections or understand how to navigate um, these systems, then you won't be able to access them. And so I, I just want to emphasize that um, you know, we don't want to encourage people to move toward unsafe uh, ways of abortion, but um, but we do remove safety the more bans that are in place. And so we want to say um, there are still safe options available, and they're they are very safe. And we need to protect those. We need to protect access to them so that people can easily access the care they need. Uh, and in the pills that spring, uh, it, what we're talking about, it's called medical abortion. If you want to search for it on Google, you can you can look up what it looks like. Um, there have been websites available. Uh, there's one in the Netherlands that's been providing uh, medical abortion, the, the abortion pills to women in countries where it's been illegal for a very long time. And all they do is they just ship it to you. It arrives in your house in a few weeks. You follow the instructions. Um, and like Spring said, it is very, very safe. Um, and most countries around the world where abortion is legal have moved to the pill being the primary uh, kind of abortion that's performed. And it's just called a medical pervor- abortion. Um, there are lots of websites in the United States and other countries where if you search for them, um, you can see exactly what that looks like and, and potentially how it can be accessed, right? Uh, so this, th- this episode is not how to get an abortion, how to find an abortion. It's talking about what happens with Roe versus Wade being overturned. But part of that conversation needs to be to let you know, like, do not run into an alley with a coat hanger. Do not go to a sketchy doctor and have a procedure performed. Use your internet literacy skills, search for medical abortions, and um, make sure that you are doing something for yourself or for a friend that is safe and secure and not something that's really sketchy and dangerous. All right. Well, we need to take another short break. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about abortion bans, what they mean, and then talk about some strategies about what we can do to protect women's right to health care. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to our episode. Today, we're talking about Roe versus Wade being overturned and what that actually means. Um, We were talking about bans, and I I mentioned that they don't actually work, right? Um, They don't work in the way that they're intended. They don't reduce the number of abortions, um, but they do do some things. Spring, do you know some of the stuff that happens once abortion bans are passed? Oh, of course. Um, Women that need the abortion that can't get them die. (laughs) Um, More... Uh, poverty is increased. I think, I think that we are actually increasing, um, burdens on the healthcare system overall on our ability to support people and what they need in their lives. Like we just cause a drain on financially throughout, throughout the world. Like <laughs> it, it just has these ramifications and we see, um, 
I listened to, I listened to an episode specifically about this, like, um, of, I think Freakonomics, like all of the impacts, you know, and it's just like, it moves, it moves through our whole society. Like it's, it's negatively impacts almost every aspect of our society. And we're talking about jail. We're talking about like, um, the burdens on every social system I think that we have in place. Right. It increases maternal mortality. Pregnant women and women who just give birth are more likely to die. It increases infant mortality. So children under five are more likely to die. Spring says it increases poverty. Um, There are states in the United States that are now prosecuting women for having miscarriages. Um, And like, depending on where you look in the research, up to 50% of all pregnancies end in miscarriage anyway. A miscarriage is just another word for abortion. It just is not medically induced. Right. If women's bodies and, and trans men and non-binary bodies very frequently have miscarriages um, and now that's being criminalized as well. So you had a miscarriage and now you're in prison. Right. And, and when we think about all of the systems, these uh, abortion bans really are a burden on society. And like we said earlier, it's much more likely to negatively impact people who are already on the margins, people who are already marginalized, people who are already struggling to access healthcare. Yeah. All right. So what... what so what in the heck are we supposed to do? Let's, what are, what are, let's get to that. <laughs> because it it seems overwhelming. It really does. And I think, you know, that um, so many people have felt this really strong sense of, oh, my God, what are we supposed to do? Like it like it feels it feels really scary. Um, and, you know, there have been a lot of things that a lot of public health practitioners have been working on over the past like several months, like in understanding that this was leading up to happen in the Supreme Court. So we have been working toward, you know, finding more ways to provide access, creating abortion funds so that there are funds available for people who can't afford abortions and who need them. So there has been a lot of work behind the scenes. There's been a lot of prep for this. So the first thing I want to say is, yes, it is overwhelming and like have that feeling and, and feel that and then, and then say, okay, now what can I do? What, what are the things that I can do? And there are a lot of, a lot of things that you can do. And, and they might not always feel like the most impactful, but even doing a little thing helps the feeling of overwhelm go away. And so I'm advocating not only for doing things to help others, but also doing some of these things that we're going to recommend to help yourself, to help that feeling of feeling out of control, because it does feel really scary. And a lot of the questions we have coming in are uh, from men and from women saying like, I don't know if I want to have unprotected sex with my partner. Or I don't know if I want to be, you know, in sexual relationships or I because I'm really afraid of either getting someone pregnant or getting pregnant. Right. Um, so some of this is about taking control back. And, and the very first thing that I'm going to say uh, is if you're going to be sexually active and you don't want to have a kid and if abortion is not available where you live, um, is use multiple forms of birth control. And we, we have tons of episodes about condoms and about sterilization and about IUDs. And there's a lot of birth control options out there. And, and my number one recommendation moving forward for you individually, if you're having anxiety for yourself in pregnancy, is to use multiple forms of birth control. Like don't just use one, use two. 
um, use a hormonal and use a barrier, uh, use uh, a, a sterilization, use a long lasting uh, reversible, just talk to a healthcare professional, talk to a healthcare provider, go to a Planned Parenthood, um, Planned Parenthood, like 90% of 90% plus of what they do is helping people prevent pregnancies. And that's what Spring was talking about. There's a lot of work that's already been done. But get out there, get multiple forms of birth control, just to really make sure that you're protecting yourself and, and the people around you. Um, and if you get pregnant when you did not mean to, and you know you were doing all the things to protect yourself, or even if you weren't, even if you forgot, like there are still options for you. So um, it it does feel more important to try to for everything that you were too afraid to prevent ask pregnancies. That was thunder. Springs in the middle of a thunderstorm right now, everybody. <laughs> that was scary loud. We're, we're in an abortion <laughs> thunderstorm, but she's like in a literal <laughs> thunderstorm right now. Um, <laughs> right. So it's like, yes, like do all the things to make yourself feel safe. And then also um, you, there are still options. There are still ways. So, um, and if, you know, if a mistake happens or whatever, like it, it's going to be okay. Like it's, it's, Yes, it's different now, and there are still resources available. And one of those big resources, it's called abortion funds. Um, you can donate to them if you want to help other people. But if you are in a crisis, if you need to travel to a different state, if you need access to a medical abortion via the mail, whatever it is, um, abortion funds is a great place for you to start. Um, and we recommend making a donation if you can. But if you need help, they can also help. Um and along the same lines, uh, like making donations to local clinics and local charities and Congress people and politicians who support women's access to health care uh, is a great way for you to make sure that you protect women's rights. And then maybe we can start making some change to uh, make women's access to health care a basic human right instead of a right that only exists in some parts of the country. And so what we're talking about is just abortionfunds.org. That's how you can find that. And we'll put that link in our show notes also. And um, and they have a lot of great information on their site. And you can also um, look at what's happening in your state on that website. Yeah. Other things that you can do is um, you can show up and protest. There are protests happening all over the country pretty consistently. Um, and protests are a great way to energize, to get yourself revved up, to meet up and chat with other people who have the same view that we need to protect women and women's access to healthcare and women's bodies and women's bodily autonomy. Um, but along with those protests, um, people are sometimes afraid to talk about abortion. I teach sex classes. Um, at, at, a, at the college level. Um, and abortion day was a day I used to shy away from. Um, but more and more, I realized that abortion is just a normal conversation that we ha need to be having. Um, and we need to have it inside of our friend groups and communities. Um, and I, I think you probably all noticed that Spring and I today have been talking from this lens of uh abortion as healthcare, we haven't talked pro-life, we haven't talked pro-choice, we haven't said forced birth, we haven't used any of that language because we want to have a constructive dialogue about what we can do about abortion as healthcare. That's a great starting point for you to have those conversations inside of your networks as well. Um, let's see, what you else know, What else can we do? Well, I was just thinking of speaking about, you know, um, being nervous to have those conversations. I don't know if you remember, but when I was teaching um, the intro to sexuality class at Penn State and I had um, someone in the class who didn't agree with uh, 
people's right to abortions and they complained about what I said during the abortion class. And, um, and then it was reviewed by, uh, several external people. They looked at all the slides, looked at everything I said, and they said, all of this is fact. All of this is um, scientifically based. And she wasn't, you know, pushing abortion. She was talking about this in the same way. And so I, I want to like second that, you know, it can be scary. And like, there are, you know, people that will can respond negatively to what you say, even if you are using more neutral language and, you know, talking about um, some scientific basis for your opinions. And, and I just want to acknowledge that, yeah, it can, it can be really hard to have those conversations. And this is, you know, one of the main themes of our podcast is to practice having difficult conversations about sex, about sexuality, about sexual health. And, and this is one of those areas, you know, it's a difficult conversation to have about sexual health. And, um, it's also really important. And it's important because people, change their minds based on things they hear from their peers. Like that, that's one of the number way, one ways that people actually are able to shift their ways of thinking. It's by people they trust giving them information. And the same thing happens, you know, with misinformation, like it comes from your peers and your friends and you believe it. So the more information that you have, um, then the more ready you are to start to share these things. And as you're able to like go out and have more conversations, that is a real way to start to shift things and to make a difference. So we really want to help mobilize you to understand the power that you have in having these conversations with people in your life. And you realize that the conversations really aren't that hard to have, right? We've been taught to be sort of afraid of them, um, but there's nothing actually scary about that conversation. And, and people might get upset, but keep bringing it back to the idea of healthcare, right? Like move outside of those standard arguments that you hear on one side or the other and just talk about healthcare and how important healthcare is for all of us throughout our lives. And that this is a way of restricting women's access to healthcare. All right. Anything else? There's one more big thing that we, we, we are, we're going to ask you to do. Um, we talk about it every year in November. Um, we talk about it in many of our shows, but it's to get out there and vote and vote for candidates that actually support women's access to health care. Vote for candidates who use an evidence-based or science-based or actually talk to doctors and women about their bodies. Um, and they're out there, right? They, they exist all across the entire country. It's finding people who actually support what you believe in, registering to vote, and then getting out there to vote. And, and primaries are starting to happen in states across the entire country. So get engaged, get involved, talk to your networks, get registered to vote, find candidates who support right? Who support your ideology. Um, and Spring and I are both here saying our ideology as sexperts um, who teach sex classes, who do research about sexuality is, you know, abortion is healthcare. And that's where we stand. And we both support political candidates who believe that as well. And, and you know, we don't get too deep in politics on the show, but this issue has been politicized. And for us, it always comes back to that right to health, right to healthcare. And that's what that, that, that I mean, that, that's where I stand. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anything else that we should we recommend? I mean, I'm going to recommend self care during this time as well, um, because of because of the fears that come up, because of feeling overwhelmed, all of these things. I want to promote, you know, how are you able to ground and center yourself and um, 
thinking about those, you know, especially if you're not feeling that way right now, great. Like identify what are the things that help ground you? What are the things that help center you? So that if, if you're feeling that way at any time, you know, later this week, later this month, whenever you can return to those practices. And, you know, it's things like meditating, sitting, it could be calling a friend, it could be journaling, it could be practicing some sort of movement, going for a walk, being in nature, you know, like all of these things are really important. And so making sure that you have your um, ideas of what works well for you and having those at your fingertips to help ground yourself. Yeah, Self-care is really important, everybody. You should be engaging in self-care all of the time. But if you're feeling particularly stressed out or you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed or you're feeling particularly afraid, right? Afraid of some of these big changes coming our way in the United States. Um, self-care is a good way so that whenever those conversations happen or something unpleasant arises or you're really uh, forced to have, you know, conflict about right to healthcare or healthcare access, like you, you've done the work and, and you've done the self-support that you can handle it. Um, yeah. All right. Anything else we need to say about abortion as healthcare today, Spring? Whew, I need to go take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> take a bath. That's the self-care we're talking about. That's my All self-care. Right. <laughs> well, if you have any questions about this episode or any other questions about relationships or sexual health, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can send us an email at the we are the sex wrap at gmail.com. That's wrap with a W. You can call us at 413 I wrap it. And you should definitely check out our social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the sex wrap. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.